From the Medical Republic, I'm Francine Crimmins. This is The Tea Room. With the state of New South Wales facing its toughest outbreak of COVID yet, there's an even bigger push to get as many Australians fully vaccinated as quickly as possible. Last week, Prime Minister Scott Morrison encouraged those in Greater Sydney to have their second AstraZeneca dose closer to eight weeks after their first shot, rather than wait for the generally recommended 12-week mark. And the New South Wales government soon echoed those calls, telling residents early this week that they should book in for their second dose of AstraZeneca from as early as six weeks. This episode, we're joined by Associate Professor Nathan Bartlett from the School of Biomedical Sciences and Pharmacy at the University of Newcastle to talk about the evidence for having the two doses of AstraZeneca closer together and what that means for individuals' protection against COVID. Nathan, thank you for joining us on The Tea Room. Oh, it's a pleasure. And obviously, in the last few days, immunisers have been told and told at the same time as the public, mind you, that they can come forward for their second dose of AstraZeneca earlier than 12 weeks. In fact, that they probably should come forward earlier. Does this stray from the current official advice as it stands? Yeah, it it does. Well, the official advice recommends uh, a gap between the first and second uh, AstraZeneca dose of between four and 12 weeks. That is the official advice with the uh, recommendation to date being that that 12 weeks is the is the minimal optimal time and then that's really based on clinical data which showed that um, after 12 weeks um, f- from your first immunization that the effect of the boost is substantially better uh, than if you're given that second jab earlier uh, than that 12 weeks and so the, the when time was less of an issue uh, we were focused on the, you know, achieving the highest level of uh, protection from from our vaccines, and and that was clearly, for the AstraZeneca vaccine, was clearly going to come from leaving at least twelve weeks uh, between the first and the second immunisation. Now uh, things have changed a lot uh, over the last few weeks, as as I'm sure many of the listeners are fully aware, and and so I guess the. Urgency now is more around achieving some level of protection rather than going for the best level of protection because it takes longer uh, to, to get that best level of protection. And so what are the major concerns of Atagi and that of other vaccine experts and some doctors about the chance that giving this second dose earlier may obviously offer some short-term protection against the current Delta outbreak? But what are the concerns that it won't offer that longer-term immunity, and are they founded? Uh, look, they're not. They are founded, but I think it's really a secondary concern uh, at this point. Uh, with, with the outbreak in Greater Sydney developing as it is, uh, the real primary uh, focus now is on generating some level of protection, and, and some level of protection, even if it's not the best protection you could have got uh, is still going to give you substantial uh, protection against severe disease and hospitalisation. And and we know now also with the the Delta variant that one jab really doesn't provide much protection at all. And this this is data coming out of the UK. Um, So this is real world um, uh, data in, in populations that have been vaccinated. And it's also supported by data coming from other laboratories that have looked at the uh, neutralizing activity of antibodies 
in people who have been uh, vaccinated um, once or twice um, and looked at that activity against the, the Delta virus. And, and both of those lines of evidence clearly show that one immunisation provides very little protection against the Delta virus, um, which is quite different to the uh, effectiveness of one uh, vaccination against the earlier uh, variants of concern, the, the, the Alpha and the beta, so these, you know, the, the, the UK strain, for example, that was circulating uh, at the end of 2020, where one immunisation with AstraZeneca did still offer substantial protection up around uh, 50 60% protection from um, symptomatic COVID. Um, we're not seeing that level of protection against Delta following a single immunisation. So really two jabs uh, is necessary to get some level of protection and some level of protection is certainly preferable to no protection at all. So given that the vaccine rollout in Australia has been as slow as it is, one concern that people have raised is that by the time we vaccinate uh, say people over 40 with AstraZeneca, we vaccinate younger people with Pfizer when that finally comes and we don't know exactly when everyone will be vaccinated, that we'll then get to the point that if the borders open, those people that got vaccinated in the earlier rounds with AstraZeneca will no longer be immune to the virus. Um, and the same again if we shorten that dose uh, period um, to a point where there may be lower efficacy in terms of length of immunity. What What's the idea around the fact that they may be able to get a booster shot of mRNA after getting AstraZeneca and whether that will uh, help in that regard? Yeah, well, that, I mean, that's clearly uh, a strategy that's being examined very closely uh, by Australia and, and indeed many countries now because there, there is now a clear understanding that um, either your level of protection afforded by the vaccines um, will begin to wane after some months and also the viruses that are circulating and causing disease at a given time in the future may be substantially different to that against which you've been vaccinated and, and that'll also conspire to reducing the overall level of protection in the community. So all of these factors uh, indicate that booster shots will indeed be ne necessary. And so that, that that's really um, going to do two things. One, it, it will help boost um, you know, waning um, immunity that might have been generated by a suboptimal um, uh, vaccination re regime, um, such as, you know, shortening the distance between or the time between first and second AstraZeneca jabs. Um, but it'll also allow um, us to, to tweak the, the formulation of an mRNA vaccine, particularly because it's quite easy to, to do that, just to change the sequence on the mRNA so it better matches uh, the circulating virus. Um, and so to ensure that when you do get boosted, you're not only boosting your pre-existing immunity, but you're also generating um, immunity which is better matched to the virus that is currently, you know, the chief concern causing disease. Is there a concern there that if we are future planning around the idea that people get mRNA boosters, which, you know, has been discussed that it will be similar to the flu vax, that maybe you'll get an mRNA booster every year, for example, and you can do that tweaking as you've just described, that we may still have this uh, vaccine shortage where we're still trying to vaccinate younger people with their first and second doses and we'll need to vaccinate people that have already had Astra? Um, well, I mean, that's really going to come down to supply, isn't it? And having the capacity to manufacture 
uh, the vaccines yourself once. Now, you have to remember, making an mRNA vaccine once you're set up to do so is actually relatively quick. You can you can make a new mRNA vaccine extraordinarily quickly once you've got the expertise and infrastructure in place. Now, that's, that's where the time-consuming part is because if you're not set up to make an mRNA vaccine, it does take considerable time, investment um, to, to, to develop that capability. But once you have it, you can make or re- refine, uh, modify an mRNA vaccine, make a new mRNA-based va- vaccine very, very quickly and get that out to the population. So I think it's really going to come down to our capability to make these mRNA vaccines and, and, and clearly there's, there's intention from government to, to support that with you know recent announcements of investment um, to do so. So I think that's really what the, the strategy is going forward is to, is to ensure we have that, that, that capacity within Australia. We're not relying on obtaining our mRNA vaccines from abroad. And once we have the capacity to make our own, then it will be relatively straightforward to update our vaccines quickly uh, and efficiently and then distribute them, having, I guess, you know, set the template for vaccine distribution through, you know, the the evolution of this process um, and to get those out to the population. So, look, I don't think um, if, if the right moves are made, you know, over the next you know, months to, to year in order to establish capacity, that that, that will be a, a concern. And so for people who either have had their first dose of AstraZeneca and they're considering shortening that time frame to the second dose or for immunisers who are getting the calls coming through about shortening that period, what what is the evidence for, for the optimal time? Do you do six? Do you do eight? Uh, is there a greater benefit of just waiting one or two extra weeks but not right up to that 12-week mark? Yeah, look, I mean, the best data we have has come from the the original um, randomised controlled trials that were undertaken um, at the end of 2020, which looked at at this for the AstraZeneca vaccine. Um, but, of course, we need to remember that the vaccine was, was dealing with different viruses and it wasn't dealing with the Delta strain. So the information we have is on, on, on other virus variants, not the Delta strain, but still from those studies, it was clear that something happened at about 12 weeks where your level of protection jumped up from around about 60% protection from disease up to around 80%. So it was a considerable jump from 12 weeks onwards from, from you know, between six to 12 weeks. Uh, so that was really what the uh, underpinned the, the, the guidance around that, uh, that length of time between the first and the second immunisation. Um, so, yeah, that, that's, that's what established that as the, as the, as the guidance. Um, however, you do get, you know, still reasonable levels of protection if, if that time is, is reduced between the first and second immunisation. And there is not that much of a significant difference between, say, six weeks, seven weeks, eight weeks. Uh, yeah, no, that's exactly the point, and that's what. I, yeah, that that is the important point um, to make here. Of course, yes, um, that's right, and that's why if you're going to say eight weeks, well, you might as well say six, because again, from the trials I just mentioned, um, 
there was not a big difference between six, eight or up to 11 weeks. They all hovered around 50 to 60% and was only when you went beyond 12 weeks that it jumped up from around about that 60% protection to more like 80% protection. So, yeah, absolutely, you're, you're, you're spot on. There's no real reason based on that data. And again, it's not against the Delta, but it, it gives us a pretty good idea about sort of how this, this vaccine operates um, that, you know, if you're, going to do, if you're going to shrink it to eight weeks, you might as well shrink it to six weeks and, and just get that similar level of protection a bit earlier. That's very interesting. If only we could have public health messaging that was that clear. <laughs> it seems clear to me, but I think, I mean, I honestly believe that that message is, is coming out there. It just gets um, often overwhelmed by so much other noise being made around uh, what's happening at the moment, and and and, and it does it does um, yeah it does uh, obscure that, that that sort of clear message, unfortunately. Associate Professor Nathan Bartlett, thank you so much for coming on the program. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Before we go, don't forget that you can follow or subscribe to the Tea Room right now by searching for the show on the podcast player of your choice. You'll then be notified when a new episode becomes available. Catch you next time.